The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 40, Stowaway Spirit, Part 2. Welcome to The Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all your restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who've experienced them, and share them with you, right here. We're currently looking for more personal ghost stories or haunted locations, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to thenightoutpodcast.com, click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. On the previous episode, we heard husband and wife Lucas and Whitney recount the strange activity that has been occurring in their recently purchased home. Conducting interviews via phone with them and two of their former tenants, both of their sisters, we learned that they were experiencing paranormal activity including falling objects, phantom smells, shadow figures, strange noises, sleep disturbances, and the overall feeling of an ominous presence watching them. With their young daughter in their home and also being subjected to some disturbing experiences, most notably a phantom pinching incident, these parents want answers for what's going on. Now, join me and the team as we travel to their home and conduct a thorough paranormal investigation to try and provide those very answers. Stay tuned. Once again, Night Owls, I'd like to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Night Owl. Hi, Night Owls. We've got some cool new merch in store for you this summer, pun intended. I've worked with our friends at Oh Boy Print Shop and I'm excited to announce we'll have two new summer tank options for you. A unisex muscle tank and a ladies tank. The muscle tank is like a cutoff sleeve style, which I really freaking love. Then the ladies tank is our tried and true classic that we've had in the past. The muscle tank will have our new Stay Restless Ghost in front and our circular logo on the back. The ladies tank will just have our circular logo on the front, nothing on the back. These tanks will be pre-order only. I repeat, pre-order only. There will not be extra printed, so if you want one, or both, or multiple of them, be sure you pre-order on June 1st. Patreon will have exclusive 24-hour early access to pre-order. Then, if not too many have sold, we will open up sales to the general public on June 2nd. Don't miss out on these exclusive new tanks this summer, which will be available to pre-order on June 2nd on our online shop at www.thenightoutpodcast.com. To stay up to date with our show's news, go there and sign up for our newsletter. Stay cool and stay restless out there, Night Owls. If you aren't already a Patreon supporter, please consider joining at patreon.com slash the Night Owl podcast. In exchange for a small monthly donation, you gain access to exclusive videos, audio, interviews, behind the scenes, live streams with myself, Sarah, and Alexis, venue walkthroughs, and more. To gain access and become part of our Night Owl patron family, just go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash the Night Owl podcast. Following this series conclusion, we will actually have a special video walkthrough of Lucas and Whitney's home for our supporting patrons. Following my phone interviews, I'd coordinated our upcoming paranormal investigation at Lucas and Whitney's home for February 2nd, 2022. We were anxious to get over there and try to provide the family with some possible answers, but before we could even get there, both Lucas and Whitney began texting me, informing me that there was an uptick in activity and strange new types of activity that were beginning to occur. I needed to document this, and what you're about to hear are the phone calls that I had with them on January 31st, just two days before our actual investigation. 
Yeah, so I think since we talked, I mean, even during our initial kind of introductions, you know, when I was sitting in the office watching this cable unwind and roll off the, the desk, you know, we hadn't really seen or felt too much activity. I, I can't remember the last time other than maybe waking up with like an uneasy feeling, um, which I had just kind of gotten used to. So it wasn't as remarkable as hearing a noise or seeing something fly off of the counter. But so since that happened, as I'm, you know, kind of going over what, what we were experiencing, watching this cord fall off the desk, I, I guess the next week, which was last, this past week on uh, Friday, I woke up, I guess around 4 a.m. and uh, my daughter was up and I just felt that presence again. Um, I felt really, you know, scared going out into the living room, you know, like I was being watched or that there was something else there with me. It's different from just waking up any other time and it being dark. I'm sure anyone who's experienced can can understand what I'm saying, but it's just this really uneasy feeling, you know, the, the feeling that you're being watched. So that was on Friday morning. Uh, and then Saturday was my daughter's birthday. She had gotten a couple little cans of Play-Doh um, that she was playing with and things were winding down. Everybody was leaving. And so I picked all the Play-Doh up, put it back in their respective containers and put them on the coffee table and basically turned my back for a second. And, and Ruby comes in, uh, Ruby, our daughter, and she's asking, you know, where's the Play-Doh? What? And look, like, what are you talking about? It's right here on the table. She picks up one of the, the containers and it's empty. And I open them all up and they're all empty. And I go outside and they're all like strewn about on our uh, patio, which is weird. Saturday night and Sunday night, I got up around the same time, about 3 a.m. to go use the bathroom. Saturday night, I, I walked back into the bedroom and I, I said, hey, Whitney, did you did you just say something? Because I heard, I, it sounded like somebody was like calling while I was in the bathroom, which is attached to our bedroom. And she said, no, okay. There was a distinct like voice saying something. It just sounded like it was on the other side of the door. And that happened again Sunday night. And Sunday night, I also heard something in the attic. It just sounded like someone running up there. And there's not that kind of space. It's got rafters, you know, and supports. There's very little room to do anything up there. And um, and again, none of this really, like, was put into full context until what Whitney experienced when she was trying to put our nephew down here. She was watching him for a couple hours. I'm seeing my nephew, you know, he's six months old, he's in his car seat. We go into Erica's old room and it's dark and close the door and we're just, you know, kind of rocking him in his car seat and the door just flies right open. Like, I thought Lucas was running in here to tell me something. The door flies open. Can't explain that. The, the AC's not on. It's raining out. It's sleeting. There's no windows. And I get this, like, gust of confusion. She kind of, like, ran out of the our, our guest bedroom and was like, not putting him down in there. This is what happened. Felt confused. The door flies open. I'm trying not to freak out, but I'm like, they're coming. Like, it's so, like, I don't know how to communicate with you. It felt urgent. I mean, obviously, like a door flying open, I'm in here alone. Um, and then being confused, I just like picked up the car seat and just tried to like walk it off. <laughs> because I guess that's what you do when you're confused. And I was like, well, now that you say that, you know, uh, I've had this string of, of occurrences uh, throughout the past couple of days. And she was like, why didn't you tell me? And, you know, a combination of just not having the right binoculars on or goggles on to see like okay this might be some this isn't just the wind or, or whatever you know and just like i said the tendency to kind of write it off or ignore it because you don't want to 
accept what that it might be something you know physical or you know spooky the voices now you heard it twice is that correct yes and it was two nights in a row back to back around the same time when you got up to the bathroom yep saturday and sunday night so if you can describe a little bit more like you're going out of the bedroom door or you have a bathroom in your bedroom is it connected yeah it's connected and i just closed the door because i turned the light on you know so i don't wake whitney up and then that's when you heard it after you'd closed the door, you heard it kind of coming from the other side of the door or in the Yeah, it was very, it's, it's weird because I couldn't make out what it was saying. It, I, the first night, uh, it sounded just kind of like, hey, but it was, it wasn't very distinguishable, but it was loud, you know? I don't know if that makes sense. It didn't sound like it was coming from far away. It sounded like it was coming from, you know, the bedroom or in the hallway. But I just couldn't hear, you know, I guess because my ears weren't like listening for anything, you know, it's the middle of the night. So that's why I was like, hey, did you just did you say something? And she was like, no. And then the second night, she wasn't even awake. And what was the second night's voice? Was it any different? No, it was it was very similar. Just one a single syllable or maybe two syllables, very short. It just sounded like someone was speaking, you know, not whispering or yelling. It was just sounded like someone was saying like, Hi or hey. If you had to, you know, take a guess, and you can be honest and say I have no clue here, but did you have an, any sort of gender associated with the voice? Still no. Yeah, I I, I feel like yeah, I, it's hard to say. It's hard. To yeah, say. that's okay. That's okay. So this wasn't just to be clear because I've had a few instances myself. I have a hard time myself believing when I hear a disembodied voice. Because I've had it happen a few times now on cases, and it, things have followed me home, and I didn't know what I was hearing. And it was sure. really unnerving, but I would hear a voice call my name, but it, it sounded like it was right in my ear, but it, it sounded like further away, but like it was like I had a headphone up to my ear and I heard it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's weird. a good way to describe it. Okay. Is that what you, okay? I was curious. Yeah. That's kind of what you were hearing. I don't know what to call that. We're trying to develop a theory with our Night Owl team to describe this because that is what I'm learning disembodied voices sound like. That's so crazy that you, you said that because, you know, the, the way I was trying to describe it was like it was loud, but it was like there was something like blocking. I've never heard anything like that. So just to describe it that way is like, okay, that's just a different way of saying it, and that makes more sense. So far still, nothing really, those incidences, did you feel any any fear, any danger, or is it just like unusual what's going on mysterious type feelings it's scary i mean all of it is scary um i don't necessarily feel like i'm in danger you know i'm not and that 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 may be a naive assumption but it feels like creepy it's inherently going to be scary right because it's unknown if anything is unknown it will remain on that edge of being scary or or, uh, spooky And I think that's where we'll come in and we'll help you with that. And hopefully we can get some answers. So we both did our interviews in Erica's old room. So the closet where she saw the face. And I work in here every night, just editing videos and stuff. And I started hearing the tapping again on the closet doors. I was like, no way. You know, I've been working in here every night for whatever, a year and a half. And then here comes like almost immediately it's this like kind of back and then i think either the next night or the night after that i was 
meditating again. I was doing my visualizations. I was doing the middle pillar ritual. And I'm just kind of finishing it. And suddenly I just hear very clearly, thank you. And I get super spooked. And I just say, you're welcome. <laughs> like, how loud because I don't, know, I don't know what else to say. That was like the first thing I told Lucas in the morning. I was like, whatever's here is uh, grateful for I don't know what, but it, it just almost was like suddenly the second we start talking about it, the second we start bringing it back, things become a little bit more unstuck. And of course, since, you know, also the activity is happening in Ruby's room, I'm putting her down to sleep in the dark in that room every night. And every night I leave and I'm like, I'm sorry that I'm doing this, but it's never felt you know, like I've never felt unsafe putting her in there because of just how much praying and meditation and visualizations of sealing, you know, all the scenes of the house, which takes a while in there. It's a, it's always felt kind of frozen, but obviously in preparation for the whole night owl team coming over, I've just been thinking about it more and I've been kind of trying to tune into it. It's probably not a good idea because I don't have any experience with this, but the, the last, you know, probably week I'm tuning into it, I'm trying to quiet my doubting mind, which is like, nothing's here, it's fine, your baby's safe, everything's great. But I, I'm like, no, it's here, it's in the room, I can feel it, it feels like it's, you know, just kind of frozen, I feel like it's not attached to the house, I feel like it has something to do with the land, and then Lucas starts telling me this stuff that's happening, and there was twice... You know, he gets up to go to the bathroom. He's like, what? And I'm asleep. And he's like, Winnie, what? I was like, what are you talking What? He's like, what did you just say? I was like, I don't know. I'm sleeping. And then Lucas told me about the Play-Doh thing. I was like, man, great. But I guess, I mean, it kind of makes sense if one time I got really mad and I told it to, like, stop. Totally did. And then we start thinking about it. We start talking about it. Maybe it gets a little bit more unstuck. It's like, oh my gosh, I can finally say what I need to say or do what I need to do. And just even tuning into it more, it's like, okay, I'm trying not to obviously get a message from it because I don't know how to do that. But also like, yeah, it's, it's definitely here because part of me wants you guys to find absolutely nothing and the house is totally clear and it's the safest place on earth. And then the other part of me is like, well, no, I want you know, to be an open door of communication because obviously we can't write off all 869 experiences we've had as just like freak coincidence. So yeah, that's just been, I mean, it's like, when, when did we talk? Two weeks ago? Yeah, just two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. And it's all sudden just like boom, boom, boom. And, and Lucas is like, I think too, like me talking about it, he's super sensitive and it's like he opens up and it's like, hey, I felt this this morning. No, I think you're, I really appreciate your insight too, because I was going to ask you those questions. Did you kind of answer them already? Like, why do you think it's picked up? I'm in strong belief that that's what's going on is that you, you set boundaries and it was respecting them, but there could be something that this energy needs to resolve. And whenever you put those boundaries in place, they were, might've been respecting them, but they didn't get their request answered or they don't, they don't get to get their story across. You know, in, in this world, I've found that Tara will sometimes start to pick up the energy already because they're already trying to tell them what they want. Oh, yeah. And that happens all the time. She always comes and she'll be like, this visited me. It was tied to your house and blah, 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 blah. 
So I don't know what's going on yet. I, she, she normally will tell me if that happens, but I haven't heard anything. But mm-hmm. it could be that this energy is sees that you are trying to do this. And so they now sort of have been like, okay, well, now I can go a little beyond the boundaries because you're going to be doing this anyway, and I'm, I want to get my story across or I want to get my message across. So I need to start building up my energy again. That's very common. Let that be. Don't think you made a mistake by calling us and stirring up stuff. We're not going to come in there. <laughs> okay. We don't come in to stir up anything. We are hopefully going to come to actually resolve a lot, and then it will be a much better, hopefully in the end, a much better relationship that you and Lucas have with whatever's there. If they are like uh, benevolent and they don't mean harm and they're just trying to do something, and once y'all start helping, if y'all decide y'all want to accommodate the spirit, in many cases we find that the case, we just communicate what they really want, and then you just find out, oh, if they're doing that, they're trying to get the attention, and it's better not to ignore them. Yeah. It's better to acknowledge but not investigate. So just say, uh, we got some people coming that are hopefully going to be able to help you, and that's what we've done for you. So just give us some peace until we can get that figured out. Thank you. Verbalize it, even if it needs to be in your head if you don't want someone to hear you. That's right. how you acknowledge that, no, no, I, I got it. You don't have to keep knocking. You don't have to keep saying, totally know you're there, and we, we, we're going to try to get you some help. Maybe you can actually uh, communicate with them, and we'll be able to hear your message. If you start to see that it's just like getting insanely crazy and responding to you, like if you acknowledge and it just keeps doing stuff, call us because we want to be able to help you. But we're almost there, so we got two more days to yeah. make it. But we, yeah. sometimes they get really impatient. Well, y'all take care, and, and I'm, I'm sorry you're having uptick in activity. It doesn't seem, I know you're a little bit better right now with it. I know Lucas, is, it's been affecting him a little bit more because it seems like whatever it is is doing something to him as well. So keep calm, try to keep positive. And like okay. I said, affirming that they, you recognize it, if you ignore it, that's when it continues. So I think maybe with Lucas, it was probably that he didn't notice that the Play-Doh was anything strange. And then the, the noise in the attic, he probably was just like, oh, it's just something running by. So then it goes a little bit further, and it's like, well, now I'm going to speak to him. But if he acknowledges it in the beginning and just says, we got some we got some people coming to help, not to, like, take you out or nothing, then it might just be like, okay, I just needed them to acknowledge that they hear me. Okay. Right. Okay. okay. I'll let them know. Thank you okay. so much. Take care. Y'all have a good night. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Just two days after these update calls with Lucas and Whitney, the team and I had arrived at their house to begin our investigation. The home, to anyone at first glance, was unsuspecting. A 1970s single-story home nestled in a small neighborhood in Austin, Texas. Nothing eerie or foreboding about its location or even its outward appearance. The only thing ominous about this evening was the huge thunderstorm that had just rolled in as we were arriving. We each had to park quickly on the street and run to the garage as we waited for everyone to arrive. For now, it was just going to be my preliminary team first to do the walkthrough of the house and have Lucas and Whitney show us everywhere that they've had experiences and also update us on any newer activity. Then we were going to take some general EMF readings for a baseline. My core team of Franklin and Alexis were here, but we also have some of our behind-the-scenes helpers, Mikey and Sandra, as well as our photographer, Bailey. Sarah, our team psychic and medium, would be arriving later. To keep her in the dark, we did not give her the exact address of the house, but would be parking at a nearby address, and team member Sandra would go and escort her here once she arrived. But Sarah wouldn't be here for another hour, so my team and I dried off as best we could and were guided into the house by the homeowners. Okay, it's Stephen, Franklin, Alexis, 
early arrival to do a walkthrough of the space. Before we dive in, I want to point out that there will be a lot of background noise during this investigation. Lucas and Whitney's daughter Ruby was awake and with them, so you'll occasionally hear her talk, mumble, or playing with her toys. Then, the homeowners had two dogs that were very suspicious of us, as any dog would be with a team of masked strangers suddenly entering their home, so you'll hear a lot of claws on the hard floors and a lot of growling. Don't get too excited, Night Owls, and think you caught an EVP or heard something paranormal. It's most likely just part of the environment that we were in tonight. Entering in from the garage, we were now standing in the kitchen and living room area that was an open floor plan design. One large open space with the kitchen to the left and the living room to the right. So maybe take it room by room, where we're at now, what are some of the experiences, if there's anything at all in this space? I know Lucas, just the other night, you were out here because her waking up, you felt a presence. Yeah, I've had a, a couple things. I think we heard like the dishes crash one time and I can't remember if they actually did or not. I'll come out here sometimes like if I can't sleep just so I don't disturb Whitney and I'll lay on the couch. And it's it's really difficult for me to do because I just, it, I always feel, or I often feel um, just like a presence in the room, like a, a dark figure. Sometimes I'll see things out of the corner of my eye. I saw some smoke like by the coffee machine the other day. Describe that a little more. It wasn't from the coffee machine? No, 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 different. it was off. It was, nothing was on over there. Uh, just like a little, couple of wisps of smoke. I don't even think I told Whitney about that. But yeah, this is definitely the room that I often feel the most uncomfortable in, but probably the only the only manifestation or the only uh, occurrence that happened was um, maybe two or three times hearing like crashes or, or the dishes being messed with. So. Anything in here for you, Whitney, in particular? I mean, I guess I've gotten the ominous feeling in here before but I think I'm so frequently in her room feeling that presence that this like drops down. You know, I haven't personally seen anything out here, just felt that sensation before. Hearing Lucas mention his trouble sleeping here made me realize that I wanted Franklin and Alexis to hear a little bit about the similar activity he had experienced in the previous home before moving to this location. For a while I was waking up around 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. Um, and then a couple minutes after, and I would just feel scared, you know, either I was having a nightmare or I just felt some kind of presence. And then a couple of minutes after I would wake up and just just be laying there, uh, the dogs would wake up and they would start growling and pacing around the room. We had a, a couple uh, Hindu deities on our wall uh, and one of them flew off the wall and broke the tile on the ground uh, in the middle of the night, which scared us. And then, you know, I think I would see like flashes in the room that would wake me up, run to the window and see if there was a car out there and, you know, there was nothing. Um, I think you said in the calls that y'all felt there was a similarity to the way it felt here? I do, yeah. I, I feel like it's the same kind of uh, ominous presence, um, kind of a foreboding feeling. It doesn't feel malicious or evil. I don't feel like I'm in danger, but it makes me un uncomfortable for sure. We were now going to move away from the main living area and cut down a hallway that opened up on the right side of the living room. This hallway cut to the left and would actually have two rooms, both opening up on the right side of this hallway. The first room was the room that Lucas's sister Abby once slept in, where the objects mysteriously fell off the bookshelf. So this is uh, this is <laughs> this room has been our revolving room uh, for a while. It started out as an office. Uh, we made it a dining room, and now it's kind of Ruby's playroom, but. Um, 
when we when we moved in, um, my sister came to live with us shortly after. I think in March, Abby came to live with us as well. And it's been quiet this space for some time now. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think anything. I can't remember anything happening in here since then. Um, and then you know, like I said, we kind of changed things around. And so after my sister left, we made this the dining room, and then just recently we made it R Ruby's playroom. And I don't think there's been anything. Uh, that I can recall since then. Okay. With no new reports here since Abby's departure, we moved down the hall to the second room on the right, which was where Whitney's sister Erica used to sleep. Now, there have been more recent reports here, and as a reminder, this is the room where Erica witnessed the face in the closet. So going, going down the hallway um, into our, what is now our office, um, this was where Erica was staying. Uh, she had moved in here with us. Uh, she was living with us at the previous house. She moved in here with us. This was where her bedroom was. Um, she moved out in, I think, July of 2020. So she was here for about seven months. And um, this room gives me chills, even just being in here now. Um, and so that is where she saw, uh, I can't even say it without freaking myself out. Um, in that closet, she saw a face and I think she described it as like being kind of low to the ground, like white. Yeah, it's make, it's making me feel kind of nauseous talking about it, honestly. But that's okay. Um, we'll we'll investigate it. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to do it. We won't we won't stir anything up. We're just gonna take a look. Um, and aside from that, I don't think I have experienced anything in here. Um, uh, this closet to me has spooky vibes. It's also, I think, connected to Ruby's closet, which I know uh, has been a source of a lot of Whitney's experiences. So I'll let her talk about that. Outside of that, oh, one time Whitney and I were sitting in here and the, the lights turn on or off. They turned off. That's happened more than once. Yeah. Sitting in here and then a lamp just goes off. Boom. Um, but that was what I was talking to you about when I was uh, doing the interview. Um, the cord unraveled and fell onto the ground all on its own. And so this is somewhat new, reports of lights and lamps turning off and on. And Lucas just informed me that this was the room that he was sitting in when he did our phone interview, and where he witnessed the cord unravel on its own. But we were now going to press on, where the hallway takes a sharp left, and Ruby's room was first up on the right. Moving into Ruby's room? Ruby's room, yeah. Alright, yeah, I'll let you share some of the stories here. So I think what really started it was just, and it was the same type of doors on the um, closet next door, is there's just this tapping and it wasn't rhythmic and it was like every five seconds, every 10 seconds, every 20 seconds, you know, like it was just really strange to the point where I just took off the doors because it was like, I'm done. I don't like, I'm tired of hearing this. Um, it's freaking me out. I can't, I don't know why. So we took them off and then just starting to put her down in here every night. It's like just getting that sense of like, there's feeling that there's another presence in the room. Um, and I've seen darker shadows like in that corner. It's scary when you're just lying in here, staring into the darkness, just feeling that. I haven't noticed anything besides just that really strong, ominous presence in that corner and seeing shadows in that corner. Obviously, we did hear one time on the baby monitor, just like voices. Monitor-wise, is it video or just audio? It was, we just, just it's both, but we just heard it. We didn't see anything. Right. Y'all never seen anything on the, on the monitors? No, and I look. Um, 
The night of our interview, though, it was so weird. He was working, he works overnights at a hospital. And um, she had fallen asleep in this position where she was just like mouth wide open, not moving. And I was like, come on, man. Like, I know we're past the SID stage, but like, move, move over, you know, do something. And I got up at one and I checked it again and it, she still hadn't moved. And I was like, okay, everything's fine. I get up again at like three and it still hasn't moved. And I come in here and she's not in that position. And I was like, okay, why that's never frozen before? It's a relatively new monitor. Why was it stuck in the most frightening position? You know, it's not just like her curled up. Um, and I went back to the monitor and she was still like that on it. And um, I just turned it off and turned it back on and it was fine. But it was like that fear of like, you know, and the audio was still normal, you know, like. Yeah, you could hear the sound machine or whatever. Yeah. Lucas, have you ever had anything in here? I know she feels something. But... Um, yeah, I've definitely felt like the same sort of presence, um, you know, like scared to open my eyes, have to cover myself up with whatever little <laughs> baby blankets in here. Um, and then, and it's not all the time. Sometimes I feel totally fine. And sometimes I feel like don't look up or don't look at the door because something like there's something there that's uncomfortable. We've definitely, I've definitely heard stuff like tapping in the, the closet area. In this closet or the other closet? In the office, or Erica's old room. Mm. I heard that tapping again, yeah. Could and you replicate the tapping? Like, yeah, I mean, it was... Maybe, yeah. Door or, or just like with the... Yeah, it was just like... Then it'd be sometimes twice. And then it, it was just intermittent, like not constant or wood settling. It would be all night whenever it did happen, so. But yeah, I think that's it. I, I don't know if Whitney mentioned the, the couple of times where we heard a uh, baby crying on the monitor and we, no. we look in and she's just dead asleep. And then some some other voice I remember, I can't, it wasn't a baby crying and I, I don't know if it was just like a muffled talking, but that I, that happened as well. On the monitor? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the baby crying one was weird because I assume it was her and she's just passed out, you know. And it was very faint as well, so. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of reports from their daughter's room, and hearing Whitney admit to seeing and sensing figures in the corners of the room had me wanting to get a little more detail about this. What do those look like, if you could describe them best? like Just kind of like tall, lanky, um, not moving. They seem really still, but taller than normal. When you see it, is it always one, or there's always a bunch at one time? It's like one or two. And it's usually in the dark, right? Like it's not like daytime, or do yeah, you see Yeah, but the... we'll have like a nightlight on, and I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. that, I don't know what that is, you know. <laughs> the last room left for us to explore was the master bedroom, which was at the far end of this hallway. It had a master bath connected to it, with a smaller hallway and closet leading from the bedroom to the bath. Now moving, is there any other spaces that we need to explore or is this everything? Has y'all's bedroom ever had any issues? That's where I heard the voice. Uh, when I was meditating the other day, I just heard a very distinct and prominent thank you. There was, so that was probably, cause it's been two weeks since we had the interview. So it was like three or four-ish days afterwards. I'm here just meditating, doing my visualizations. And all of a sudden I just hear, thank you. And I kind of like feel a presence to the right of me. And I just was like, you're welcome. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're talking about, but. The master bath I mentioned earlier was also where Lucas had his most recent two disembodied voice experiences. 
While we were still here in the bedroom, Alexis had some questions regarding the loud crash that Whitney talked about in her first phone interview. The the first big crash. Yeah. Where did that happen? Was that in here? I was standing here and it came from like where the kitchen is, like that side of the house. Okay. But I was in here and the dogs were powering in this corner. They would not come with me like at all. And that's when you called me when I was at yes, work, right? you left work to come check and see what it was. It sounded like you said either like a car or a plane. Like a car crashed yeah. into the I mean, like the walls shook. She had me so worried because of just the description of it. I'm like, something is damaged for sure. Um, obviously, I don't even think I was considering anything paranormal at, at that point. I'm like, okay, a branch fell in, the, the furnace blew up or something. Yeah, we both checked the roof for like something, the roof caved in. I mean, it was so loud. How was yeah. the weather that day? It was just like a calm, regular night because I finally got up the gonads to go out there. I mean, there was nothing. Yeah, it was no rain, nothing. No, it was a nice night. I had uh, I was on the motorcycle, so I remember riding home, and it wasn't particularly cold. No rain or anything. Now that we'd done a full walkthrough and gathered these more in-depth updates, I wanted to get an update from Franklin, who'd been taking EMF readings throughout this entire time. We don't use these devices to hunt ghosts, but more for their intended purpose, to look for electrical disturbances or higher levels of EMF since this can sometimes cause feelings or issues that are mistaken to be paranormal experiences. In this moment, Franklin quickly guided me and Alexis to the garage. All right, so big source of EMF, exposed circuit breaker, really old exposed circuit breaker. Okay. Um, the, The exposure exposes all the way to the sink. Okay. Um, it's really concentrated like where we are right now. Yeah. But the farther out you go, weaker it gets. So about to like where the island is, it really starts to drop off. Okay. So the house is a solid four almost everywhere. Most houses are one or two. Mm-hmm. So that's a little, higher. a little higher. And then but when you get to certain spots, it'll just spike and there's nothing there. So my hypothesis is that the wires in the walls are uh, either have a low shielding or no shielding. So it is leaking EMF literally everywhere. Mm. So it's going to be concentrated around outlets, um, lights, um, stuff like that. Okay. But also like just running through the wall, it'll go like not much higher than like a five or a six, but that's still, still yeah. pretty high. Yeah. Just in general, just because it's always good to to fix generally high EMF, no matter what. Sure. What would what would we tell them to recommend them? Like, is there a, what would they have to do to kind of fix that? It, it was mostly this box, or it requires more like everything I mean, in the walls. Uh, and it is totally optional. Some yeah. people are, you know, it's still not proven, but some people can be more susceptible uh, to, to it. So if they really wanted to, they can invest in a new breaker box with you know more breakers up to code. And but the more expensive thing is going to rip out all the wires and yeah. put in new shielded wires to mm-hmm. prevent that. But you know, there's also other factors. The sheetrock or drywall might be really thin. Um, it might be of a different composite. I don't know how old how old this house is, but it doesn't look like it's seventy seventy five. I think seventy four seventy five is what yeah, I found. Like yeah, yeah. And then how about those like any of the spots where they are having a lot of concentrated feelings or. Or um, like activity with sightings and things. Have you, did you find anything specific there? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Nothing stuck out more than than the breaker. Okay. There is one more thing, and I can't figure it out. 
is the walls oscillate. It's not a constant. Hmm. So usually you have a constant. Yeah. Like when you put the EM, like this device, the tri-field meter, is used to find exposed wires and walls. That's what it's made for. You're looking for anomalous EMF leaking. So it should, when I go up to the, oh, uh, like this, you know, you come over here and you hold it, it'll stay a three and it won't move unless you do something to increase the load of electricity in your house. When we go up to an outlet in the house, it's constantly going between three and five, three and five. She's oscillating. Hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an electrician, so I'm not, not, I'm not sure if that's a normal thing. Okay. Or not a normal thing. Yeah. Is it every outlet or just some? It's some of them. Okay. I haven't tested it on all of them, but I've been looking at some of them because I'll see a spike and I'll try to go back and find that spike and it's gone. Yeah. And then I'll go a new spot in the wall and the spike is there again and I go back to it and it's gone. Okay. And I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. I want to see what Sarah goes <laughs> what she says when she goes through here too. Was there any other spots that we needed to like look at more closely? The only thing I felt weird in was that bedroom office. Was there anything weird there with the EMF or anything? Mm -hmm. The closet? Mm -hmm. No, it was all pretty that standard. But if you go into the little girl's room and her closet, where the closets meet in that same spot, there's one, there, that far right corner, the whole corner, is spikes, the whole corner. They might want to invest in getting up to code breakers because if you get the GFCI breakers, they'll trip automatically when something like that happens. Yeah. And then you know you have a fault Let's somewhere. Let's tell them that because that would be really good to get them at least prepared for that because that's a good safety tip anyway. We informed the homeowners of this discovery and told them that it would be wise to have an electrician come and inspect this home following the investigation. It was at this time that I got a text from Sarah informing me that she had parked in the neighborhood. It was now time to bring our psychic medium in and see what would come of it. After this short break, we'll make some incredible discoveries with Sarah and reveal to this family what may in fact be haunting their home. Stay tuned. Night Owls, I hate to admit this, but in more recent years, my body has been reminding me that I'm no longer the invincible and tireless young man I used to be. So if you're in a similar boat as me, then maybe you should consider doing what I did. Start making AG1 by Athletic Greens part of your daily routine. Let's face it, we can't stop father time, but we can slow him down. As we age, our bodies need all the help we can get slowing down the inevitable effects of aging. One way to do this is to ensure that we are supplying our body with all the essential minerals and vitamins it needs. I take AG1 once a day, every day, to try to slow down those hands of time and combat the effects our bodies undergo as we age. AG1 contains the necessary vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that our bodies desperately need during this phase of our lives and promotes healthy aging. The antioxidants and superfoods in AG1 work to counteract free radicals. Plus, biotin and other nutrients help support healthy skin, hair, and nails. The addition of powerful plant extracts, adaptogenic herbs, and antioxidants are there to improve your metabolism, energy levels, and provide neural support for improved concentration. AG1 is now a part of my daily nutritional routine for healthy aging, and I'm seeing the positive results. Not only has it improved my gut health, I'm feeling more energy and focus throughout the day, and my hair, skin, and nails are benefiting from this incredible single scoop of AG1. One scoop, once a day, every day, for all my nutritional needs. Once again, thank you to Athletic Greens for your amazing product and for your continued support of the show. 
If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash night owl. That's athleticgreens.com slash night owl. Check it out. As a reminder, Sarah has no previous knowledge about this location or any of the experiences had by the homeowners or their sisters. I was eager to see what she was going to pick up on, and as soon as she walked in, she began sharing information with us as she entered from the garage. Well, your house is telling it. All right, cool. Then we... Telling it. Telling all your secrets. <laughs> and I was like, there's some electrical things going on with the garage, but I need to go into the back space. And something, I don't know yet, somewhere in here, but I'm not quite sure what that is. So let's move where the house was telling it. Okay, we moved out of the main area. We're going down the hall. Sarah walked through the L-shaped hallway, peeking into both rooms on the right in the initial part of the hallway. Then she stood in the corner facing the master bedroom, her back to the spare room where Erica once saw the face in the closet. Ruby's room was to her right now. She was trying to sort out what she was getting. I'll do my best to guide you through the process as she began to pick things up and decipher them. It's kind of moving this way, kind of into this bedroom into the square bedroom. This one's a little bit different. So I don't know if it's because the baby's in here. And there's a lot of, I don't want to mess in here because there's a lot of divine stuff in here. So that can stay the way it is. But it feels like it moves past, but doesn't quite get into this room. It's kind of like watching the person, the feeling of constantly being watched or constantly being, I don't know, like there's always something there, but only like off of the corner of your eye, you'll see it pass in the hallway or think you saw something. Sarah's referencing the spare room here, the one where Whitney and Lucas do report feeling uncomfortable in. Again, this is Erica's old room where their face was seen in the closet, but more recently has been where lights have turned on and off and where they hear tapping coming from the closet. At this moment, Sarah oddly enough references tapping, but is referencing a noise that we actually heard that was not paranormal moments ago in another room. And that is not the same noise that Lucas and Whitney hear in the closet, just to be clear. But we have still not told Sarah anything about the activity yet, so I wanted to see where she went with what she was picking up here. So far, she was picking up on some presence that would watch them from the hallway or doorway if they were in the spare room. So, not the rapping sounds, like those sounds in there, that's not it. It's a different, like a deeper type of, a deeper type of, very firm, like in the wall would be the sound that you would get. Not very often, but just enough to make you think something fell or something hit the wall or something. Something about this hallway. What day is this? That's a tie baby. If it's, it's like they shouldn't be, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like they sh they're conflicting. Does that make sense? And then there's the one in the hall hallway too that's kind of like conflicting. It's kind of like, don't put us in the same location. So I'm not quite sure if that's what's causing the issue or not, or if it's something else, but it's okay. a very clear stuff. We are not, shouldn't be on the same wall or uh, we need separate, um, you know what I mean? Separate, Keep us together. yes, stop it, yeah. Sarah's referring to the mixing of various cultural and religious deities in the form of trinkets, artwork, figures, candles, etc. that were currently in the home. Alexis was confirming just now that he was noticing the same thing. 
So that could be one issue, like one thing that they're trying to make that happen where, where, where they're not supposed to be like that. And then let me look at the bedroom again because it's the weight. Sarah was moving quickly and at this moment she was drawn to the bed in the master bedroom. We stood over the side of the bed closest to the door and she began sharing what she was getting here. So I don't know who sleeps here. Okay, I don't know. So you know, whoever out, sleeps here, this is like the, I'm going to get up. I'm going to feel like um, open my eyes and almost feels like somebody's standing over me or even the sensation that somebody's just looking at me and toss and turn are like very difficult to sleep. Uh, odd dreams, that kind of stuff is going to be happening with them. But it's more like the pressure and it's not just coming from the top. It's also like under, I want to be like under the bed, like into the ground coming up in that fashion, right? It's like they're trying to take the person and go... Right, just kind of sandwich them between the bed, between the top and the bottom. Sarah was picking up on some interesting things here. As we know, the family have reported trouble sleeping and feelings of being watched when they wake up at night, most notably Lucas. They were hanging back in the kitchen at this moment, so we were going to inquire whose side of the bed this was later. It was now that Sarah moved into the master bathroom. So it would not surprise me if they would be brushing teeth, doing their hair and then see like foggy figures or things coming in the closet if the closet's like that or even see like something pass the last note sarah had before moving back into the living room where she was going to do some more focused reading was regarding how their daughter seemed to be very protected by divine spirits or ancestors which is interesting knowing that whitney had been working a lot in meditation and prayer for that very purpose it's like the baby zones are the safe zones those are walled off really well by family members. I'm feeling family, ancestors, or divines. I'm not feeling like anything bad. Uh, very well protected. And then let's see if we can find out what's going on in this living room. At this time, Sarah was pulled to go sit in the living room with her sketch pad because there was a strong presence that she'd been trying to connect with the whole night. The one that she referred to as being the source of those feelings of being watched. I myself was dying to see what she was going to pick up here. So I stood beside her as she began sketching a face in her notepad. But it looked odd, like it was wearing something. Wrappings or bandages. Oh, sweetie, is that why you don't like masked people? That's kind of what it feels like. What are you drawing? But it's like this. It's like a masked... Like I can see the wrappings. Sort of like bandaged? Sort of like bandaged. And then she, is it a woman? She's saying, oh, that's not the word. What is it? Come on. I'll have to read that. What is that that you're getting? I was confirming where they've seen stuff, which they keep saying the bedroom. The kitchen and one of you. Now I have to figure out which one. Okay, let's see. Oh, now we're gonna find out. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's getting real up in here. I'll be easy, hold on. Family. Nope. Comes back to the husband. Alrighty then. Let's go. Let's look at the man. <laughs> Do you work with your hands quite a bit uh, with other people? Do you slip on this side of the bed? On the side closest to the door? Yes. 
that's your weight. Uh, it's other trash. You're just bringing in trash. Let's just see. Why? Hold on, I'm looking. Don't get nervous. It's going to be fine. It sounds bad, but it's not. It's just what you do. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm an ER nurse. <laughs> yes, thank you. That makes, that's, when she said my kin, she's wrapped up, she's bandaged all her face, right? So, um, but she said my kin, like if you were family. So I'm not sure if she thinks you're family and that's why she's kind of just followed you around. Or you treated her like family, maybe, if you treated her in the ER. Mm. Um, or she really is family. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's also that other possibility, but I think you would have known somebody who was fully wrapped. Almost like a uh, like fire, like a burn. But she says, my kin, like, it's, I'm family, but I'm not, I don't think she's related to you, to be honest, because I don't see her connected anywhere in your family tree. I think you brought her in. Mm. And... Baby's divines and mom's divines are trying to wrangle, like they're trying to just kind of wrangle her up a little bit. I don't think she means any like harm or anything. She just either, you may have had some kind of, you know, I, I've done it before, like it's an attachment, right? Some kind of mercy on her. You said something, you did something, and she just kind of stuck around because you made her feel or you made her saw her, right? For the first time, like that's just kind of how it works sometimes. They just, you're innocent, like, oh, that's so sad, or, or something. And they're like, oh, this person's so nice to me, right? So, and she just kind of stuck around. It's kind of how it feels. She's very cautious, though, when it comes to moving around the home. So she never really goes to the baby's areas at all, other than from a distance. The dogs are a little different. So the dogs have had interaction and seen her moving around, floating around. Kitchen, it will be the kitchen, the bedroom, the hallway. Mostly the hallways a lot of whoever sits. Do you sit in that office? to just kind of watch or lurk. So I don't know if you've ever gotten the sensation of just being, and it makes you look down the hall or look out that door to, to see if somebody's there. She And it's her really just kind of moving around. Because I don't think she's figured out a way to follow you everywhere you go. I think she knows to stay here because you have to come back, right? Not, not quite sure why she's not like leaving and moving around. She's just kind of just staying. Could be just a nurturing thing. Could be that, oh, she has a baby now. Oh, I got to watch her. Maybe like she's taking on that position of, um, making sure everything's okay here at the house, right? Doesn't mean she's not making herself known. <laughs> she is doing that. Um, but at night, it is the weight, the pressure. I don't know how to explain it. Like, she's... I don't know what she's trying to do, but I just keep seeing, like, hands on you to hold you down into place. So maybe you'll feel that kind of weight or you'll wake up feeling like you can't uh, move sometimes or you know somebody's there, but you can't quite see it. Um, so it's like she's keep trying to kind of hold you in. So I'm guessing maybe you travel when you sleep or you do something strange and she's really trying to make sure you stay in place and not let you move around a little bit. Um, I'm you also, just not sure. You did say in there bad dreams. Bad I think dreams. you might want to know about. Um, so tell yeah, them what you so were you getting. Yeah, so you would be having some types of, like I kept getting like a night uh, either night terrors or really just a really hard time just falling or staying asleep because you're either dreaming really vividly like it's not a like oh I had a dream and you know the dinosaurs were running like it wasn't that it was like a vivid I'm in the dream and it wakes it'll wake you up if it's scary or you'll wake up and actually feel like someone shook you awake and that's usually her waking you from sleep 
lots of tossing and turning, like I'm feeling the, like I can't get comfortable, I'm moving around a lot, uh, energy in there. Not so much on the other side, that's more of a, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> so that's a little different, that's a little different. It's more like, I'm just very tired. It's the other sensation that I can't pick up, which is the one that's under the bed. But I have a feeling, I have a feeling, just a little inkling that I think it has to do with the deities. That one is not related to, like, that's not like a haunting or a ghost that doesn't want to go away. I think it's the deities need to be better placed and then honored in a different fashion, I guess. So that's, that's because they were really strong, like, I do not want to be right here, right? <laughs> okay, calm it down. But mostly it's it's her. Glimpses is all I see, but in reflections. So I think that's just her passing. I don't feel anything else, just her and then the deities themselves and so many divines. Like, there's, it's not even, and I think it's just because the baby, right? <laughs> it happens. They're all over here. Family members are here. Uh, things from each, both of your tunnels. So both of your family members are hanging out just to see the new addition, you know, see that you're happy, that kind of stuff. It's not a, a bad thing. You also mentioned a sound, but you were, you were trying the to knock, emulate it. The what? knocking sounds that you're hearing, they're like deep. Um, it's not like what you're hearing in the bathroom. Like it's not that high-pitched kind of weird knock. It is a deeper knock. It's literally going to feel like somebody ran into the wall or um, something hit the wall hard, right? Like it was that. it's not going to be a con- con- like not a three-tap session. It's more of a boom, and then you got to go look and see what happened. I cannot tell you that that is her. I don't know where that's coming from. I still think that it's a deity issue. I think it's something having to do with the deities. I'm not worried about it. They don't they don't cause any issues. Um, I am worried about, sir, is that you're carrying a lot of other people's energies on your body. A lot. Um, it happens. A lot of people who work in any kind of healing field, they need a way to recycle and get rid of the trash that they have, even in their mind, right? So, uh, regular routine, I don't know, Alexis might recommend something for you to do daily when you get off work and you'll feel better you won't feel so much so much weight on you when you get home seeing as sarah was picking up that this female was the predominant spirit in the home i wanted to try to pull more out of her i could sense lucas was nervous about all this already leading up to this event and now that sarah was kind of singling him out and focusing on his job i felt it was important to try to get more answers for him and whitney in this moment so I pressed Sarah for more info about this female presence. With this person here, has she given you any, we like, can, any more details, or can you kind of can you try can, to get a little bit more? We can ask her anything. Okay. She's hanging out. So she's she looks kind of like all bandages and everything to you. Yeah. When she died, she would have been somewhere in her like maybe early thirties. Tapping is very common. Uh, pulling on the clothing, like this. The hair thing is very common too, where she does stuff like, you know, run run her hands through the hair. She does do the light things. So sometimes if she might flash a light at you or turn on turn on a light, she's like saying on empty, like she's showing me like an empty room and then she'll turn the light on. So you'll come back and be like, I didn't turn the light on. And you turn the light off and then you'll sit, right? And wait and then a little while later, the light turns back on. Weird stuff. Little lights like that. That's her light thing. Um, she's just trying different ways of communicating. Um, she tried reflective services, but that seemed to not get noticed or cause fear. And what I mean by that is like she would uh, like walk past a reflective service, like walk past a window, walk past these doors, um, even in the mirrors. 
um, is common to, to kind of like kind of almost see somebody there. But that was either, it was doing the opposite of what she wanted. She wanted to communicate, but she was scaring you instead. So she stopped doing that. Um, shadows are very common, but she's also telling you about shadows of other things. So she see pointing to the bed, pointing to the hallway. She keeps saying that wasn't me. So the hallway, what's not you? Was it the hallway? She's showing me like a motion, like something fell down, like something, um, it feels like a like something fell. I don't know, like something fell down, and she's like, "That was not me." She's being very clear. That was not me. That's she's literally pointing to like whatever the others are, and to me, the others are only the divines. Those are the only ones I'm seeing in the house. But she's very clear. She's like, "That was I don't drop. I don't break things. I don't do that." She's very very clear about that. Um, and then there was something else about speech, um, like auditory uh, sounds. She says that's not me either. She doesn't know how yet. So that's not her. The moving things around, she does that sometimes. She's helping you tidy up. Couple of things to point out here. Sarah just pointed out tapping that is attributed to the supposed former patient of Lucas. That is a very common occurrence for them, especially Whitney. The touching of the clothes or hair has not really been reported, however. But as for the sightings, Lucas has reported seeing things out of the corner of his eye. But he does, and you can hear it from our calls and interviews, appear to be more nervous and unsettled by all this. So when Sarah mentioned that the spirit stopped, potentially because it was evoking fear, that resonated. Then Sarah mentioned that she moves objects, but does not break things, does not throw things. Sarah believes the opposing deity's energy is causing the falling and breaking of objects. But I recalled the more recent Plato incident, and that may be attributed to this female spirit based on what Sarah was picking up. But I had one thing left on my mind still, the loud crash that Whitney once heard. Learning about the female spirit now, Sarah is saying that she was severely injured or burned. I was really curious to see if we could figure out how she actually passed away, because I had an interesting theory brewing. I want to ask a little bit more about that accident. Do you get a sound? Do you get a, a visual? What do you get with the accident? It feels like a, all I can feel is the impact. Like, it could be almost like a car accident or something where she hit something really hard. That's what I'm feeling. But then it's the sensation of the, like, it's on her skin. And she, uh, it's just, it's a horrible feeling. It's just a sensation of either, like, the skin is, um, like, it's on fire. It's what it feels like. It's, like, really on fire. Was there other requests from her that, that they need to know about? It's something about the others. So she really wants something to, you know, I think it's the deity thing that she's like, hey, I can't, she can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. So I think she's kind of, her hands are tied with all the nuisance stuff that they're doing. So maybe fixing that a little bit will help calm it down. And then, yeah, we're going to tell him to do that. Stop bringing people home. Sarah had done her readings and offered her insight, but I knew at this point it was going to be up to me to figure out where to go with this case next. My job as a journalist and interviewer is to try to get as much as I can out of a subject. But I also like to be respectful, and I knew pressing on to try to figure out if Lucas had ever witnessed someone like this pass away was quite personal. My gut in this moment was telling me I needed to pry more into Lucas's past to see if he could potentially connect this female presence with anyone he may have encountered throughout his career. I also wanted to see if there was such a person, when did he in fact encounter her? Because to them, this presence felt the same, and if it followed them, he would have had to encounter her while living at the old address. 
How long have you been in this work? I've been a nurse for 10 years, but I've been working in the emergency department for probably 12. Obviously, you know, you don't have to rehash anything, but is there anything that that stands out to like a victim that might have had something like this injury-wise? I mean, honestly, I've I've been in like the the worst of the worst, I think. Um, I I started out in Baltimore, which is a really violent city. Um, I worked at the regional burn center there. Um, And then I ended up in Austin, worked at a couple of different hospitals here. all trauma centers, and then I've been at the Regional Burn Center from 2018 or 2019 up until December this past year. And I can't, I, I have no, I, I couldn't tell you how much stuff like that I've seen. It's like a never-ending Rolodex, you know? The burn thing doesn't even help narrow anything down just because there's so many. She's being very specific with that phrase. She keeps saying it over and over again in my head, is my kin. Like, he should know that. You should recognize that phrase. Because that was the first thing out of her mouth when she spoke to me. That's why I wasn't, I wasn't oh. sure. Are you related? Are you... Can I talk? Can yeah. I okay. mm-hmm. This this kind of rings a bell. I, I wish I had the time frame a little bit more s- solid, but I remember a really bad car accident that we got, and it was a physician assistant who had flipped her car, and she was all mangled, and she died. But my kin, I, I started thinking more about what that could mean, because... You know, family doesn't really resonate. I wouldn't know if anybody had the same heritage as me or, you know, ethnicity as me. But same job. Same job does, you know, that does kind of resonate. And that was a really, that was a really busy night. Um, Oh, man. (laughs) Lucas had to take a short moment here. The memories from this specific night and this specific patient obviously it had an impact on him. This is a part of the job that I struggle with. I don't like to dredge up painful old memories for people, but in this case, it was necessary to try to get to the bottom of what this family has been experiencing in this home and possibly their previous home. Thankfully, Lucas wanted to continue. Um, I remember it really hit me different because seeing somebody that, you know, you see people come in and out and I, I... do my best to maintain this the sense of humanity and and dignity and compassion but at at some point you know it, it, they're just people you know they're just they just kind of become corpses to a degree and i don't you know i don't mean that in a disparaging way at all but it's rare that you get a connection with somebody and feeling like any you know we don't, we don't get much story you know it's like this person was in a car accident there here they are but this was like this was a woman who was in the same field of work as me. Her husband was there. It's like, I understand how you felt on a daily basis. You know, I understand, you know, you're, you're, there's that personal element of understanding maybe. And I think never thought about it that way, but you know, that's, that's what kind of falls into place in my mind hearing that stuff. Do you recall, I know you said you have a hard time with the time frame, but do you know where you were living when that happened? At the old house. The old house? Mm-hmm. This was getting interesting. So Lucas's encounter with this patient was while he was living in the previous home. With a little more questioning, I was able to determine that he had night terrors when he was a child. But it wasn't until more recently, while living at the previous address, that the bad dreams he's been having started up again when he took the job at the hospital where he witnessed this female physician assistant die. 
Now, you don't have to go into this. This is personal stuff and you got a lot of strangers around. But do you recall having, obviously, this is really personal, but like, I'm just curious about your the moments with, obviously, if you were working around her, close to her, did you have those moments you were you were physically around her or you just saw her come in and just knew it was going I on? I was physically around her. I was actively trying to save her life, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I don't want to pass off any of this work as routine, but, um, you know, it's, you have to, to uh, you have to be able to protect yourself mentally. Uh, I'm not talking spiritually because obviously I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> but uh, mentally to be able to continue doing the work and it's, you know, I've, I've, I noticed at some point I was definitely numb to it, but I think at some point when I started to actively process this sort of trauma, you know, I was making those connections a little bit more or being able to feel empathically. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably like, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's in a way you can see you let your guard down a little bit probably. Yeah. That's what I'm putting together in my head for sure. Hmm. Sarah stepped up and wanted to offer some insight, seeing as this was a heavy weight on Lucas's shoulders. Um, trauma affects, uh, you know, your own empathic ability a little differently. Everybody does some things like um, when you suffer a trauma and, and working the way that you work, it is a consistent trauma. Like that's just how it is. And so what happens is you cut off one part of your empathy space to be able to handle it. And you, when you cut one off, it actually grows another healers exchange energy that's what you're doing you're grabbing some of theirs and you're leaving some of yours behind that's what you're doing so you're picking stuff up so it's important to get a way to flush yourself clean before you come back to the house right and then the sleeping may or may not help it just depends right uh, but it'll be a little bit better it's not going to be as as traumatic when you try to go to sleep but that's all I got. Oh, and the deity things. Alexis can talk to you more about that. I just, I just know they're in the. Yeah. They're fighting. Okay. Yeah, yeah this happens a lot, and it's just sure. that when when there's certain days in certain rooms that don't necessarily match up, they can cause friction, and people think like, oh well, you know, it, this happens a lot, especially people want to use them as art. They're like, oh, I like it so pretty, and then they keep them all in the same space. And then they're like, I don't know why the energy feels off in here. And it's because you have like an African deity with yeah. like a Mexican deity. And then they're, they have maybe like opposite type of energies. For example, if you have like a African goddess of love and then you have a Mexican deity of war, then they're just like, hey, we kind of hate each other. And so they create like a friction. And so she was saying, especially in that back bedroom, that the, I think it's a Thai deity that's closest to the closet is not. It's just, I don't I don't belong in this area basically and then there's also what looks like a Native American rug that's there as well that's also kind of causing like the friction with the Hindu deities so just about moving some of them around maybe putting like more of like like the native and the Mexican like the Mexica gods that you have over here and the native will not interfere in any way because natives natives and it works and they're they are actually kind of like connected right. but like Hindu deities and native deities, there's going to be an issue there. I'm going to take a moment to point out something really interesting here. Alexis and Sarah had no clue I had this, but in my initial phone interviews with Lucas's sister, Abby, I had this that I cut out of the initial stories. I hadn't included it because I wasn't certain of its relevance. But hearing both Sarah and Alexis talk about the deities tonight, I thought you Night Owls would really appreciate this special correlation. 
check it out. With the pendulums, do you remember more details about the, what was the object again that it, it reacted to? I want to say it was like a statue, and I think it might have been something that they had picked up on one of their travels from another country. And so, I don't know, part of me wondered, I guess, if, and this is not to knock their decor or, um, like, interest in any way, but part of me wondered if, like, the almost mixing of all these different items from different cultures and, like, areas of the world, if, like, that somehow sort of aggravated, like, something was just off. So Abby already had an intuition about what might be the cause of some of the more disruptive activity that they were experiencing. The box of items on the shelf in her room, the guitar case being knocked over, and perhaps some of the more random recent sounds that Lucas and Whitney were hearing, like the dishes crashing, and more. As the night was coming to an end, I wanted to give Whitney and Lucas a chance to speak about what they felt was making sense to them and give them space for questions. Do y'all want to talk about the things that she did touch on? And like, yeah, if you have any tapping, further questions. The tapping was a big, a big thing. Uh, that's her. But you said the hallway wasn't her. Not the, like, like not the noises and the things okay. that are happening in the hallway, but her actually like walking in or tapping your, to get your attention, that kind of stuff, that is her. Okay. And then, was she in Ruby's room at all? Like, did you feel? She does go in there, but she doesn't really like to be in there. Okay. She really goes in just to check on things and then leaves. So she, it's not a space that she likes to hang out with. Yeah, because I, I think I heard you talk about the sense of being watched, like, because it was, you felt charged kind yeah. of walking through there. So I was curious, just trying to, for my own sake, if that was her or. That was her. Yeah, so that sense of the watching or the looking, that is her. She does do that a lot. That is her. And you did allude to, she quickly said the throwing of things and the dropping and breaking things is not her. the breaking and the throwing of things. Like she says, I do not destroy stuff. That is not me. So that is definitely not her. So that is something they have had quite a bit, like objects flying off shelves. and shelves. And and then also a loud dropping of a guitar. Hits those deities. The deities. They're fighting with each other. Yeah, I, I don't want to draw any conclusions. It's not my area of expertise, but um, having the, the clashing deities, for sure, I'm pretty sure that the top of that bookshelf was littered exactly. with all, it was an accumulation of all kinds of Tibetan Buddhism, Christianity, all kinds of different stuff was up there. And there are ways to mix them. Brujos in Mexico that mix things like that all the time, but it's because they have that pre-established energy with everything first. That's the difference. So like people, you'll see this all the time. We're like, well, I have an altar and it has Santa Muerte and it has Jesus and it has everything. It's like, yes, but they started working with each one individually and then eventually said, now that we're all on the same page, we're all going to go here. One of the last things that was still lingering in my mind were the shadow figures that Whitney had witnessed in Ruby's room. I wanted to directly address this with Sarah, who actually had an answer for us right away. The last thing, too, that's just on my mind is that you've had a lot of uneasy feelings in your Ruby's room, the room that you kind of don't really go in and stuff. And she's seen like shadowy figures. Yeah, those are all family. Oh. Those are all family. Um, We just naturally in our body assume it's always something bad, right? That's just kind of how we go. But it's not. It's your family. What Sarah was saying here was nice and all, that family was looking out for Ruby. But I still recalled the scary pinching incident that was one of the major events that led Whitney and Lucas to take action. I brought this up in this moment to Sarah, who sat and pondered it for a bit. 
At any point in time, did she ever, has she ever had problems? They're giving me like, she stopped breathing was the response that I got. Mm. Like she, they gave me the, and they got her to take a breath. That was the response that I, I got. Mm. That's interesting because of what you saw on the monitor. What, you want to tell her about what you saw on the monitor? This was way more recent, but on the monitor, she was like lying there on her back with her mouth open. Woke up at one, it was still that way. Fall back asleep, wake up an hour later and she's still that way and I like busted in there. And the she wasn't in that position, but the monitor was showing that. She hasn't shown any signs of like stopping breathing at night, even as a baby or anything like that. That's really strange. Not that, not that we know of. Cause no. that's the response. I mean, the response is just like, she's not breathing. So they were trying to get her to breathe. We were wrapping up this case and were discussing off mic what next steps we should leave the clients with when we heard a noise in the hallway. It sounded like a voice. I didn't verbalize this, but then Sarah got up and went into the hallway. I began recording. I apologize in advance because there was a dog drinking water loudly, but we wanted to capture what was happening in the moment. What was it? What she saw? It together. What happened? Your daughter's an astral traveler. She walks around the house and she goes to sleep. We heard, like, we heard a voice. That's why I was like, "What the hell was that?" No, it might have been somebody trying to pinch her back into the into her body. We clearly heard. Like, I heard a something voice. over here. Yeah, that was like and a voice. You take, that's when you started taking a step back because I wanted, I was curious what, to see what that was. That's why I went, and then I heard the dog. But I literally heard a voice over here. But you were you were here. Yeah. And I was like, I it couldn't have been her. Stand, and I was like, oh, God, yeah, I heard a voice like right in this hallway. It was right here. In the yeah. Hallway. So it's your daughter's a traveler. So she moves around and she's sleeping. This interesting theory arose at the close of our case. One that actually had me thinking quite a bit about the activity that Whitney and Lucas reported on the baby monitor. With this new possibility of astral travel when she sleeps, the sounds of Ruby crying and the voices they heard on the monitor that didn't match her sleeping body on the screen could potentially be them hearing her outside of her own body. Oddly enough, we heard this voice in the hallway only when Ruby had finally drifted to sleep at the end of our investigation. Is there anything we need to do, Sarah, before we go? So we, I know it's going to get bad weather, so we can't like do anything in the next few, like week or so. But is there anything we need to do before we go? If you let me have at him real quick, yeah, that would be wonderful. But I need like thirty minute, thirty minute timer, people, and then. Are you up for that? Access to your brain. Oh yeah. Okay. I need access to your head. Okay. I get to run your bars, and then so you're gonna lay feet that way. Sarah was going to perform a spiritual reading and working of Lucas's energy. He was willing, and they spent the next 30 minutes doing so. Most of my team had packed up and left. Alexis left the family with contact info, and Sarah was going to continue to work with them to guide them through Ruby's astral traveling issues. But when Sarah had wrapped up the session with Lucas, the family was very calm and verbally expressing relief. We talked a bit more, and Lucas brought up the two most recent voices he heard in the bathroom, which Sarah was able to confirm was in fact the woman spirit from the hospital. This spirit said she doesn't speak much and didn't take ownership of any other voices, but these two apparently were her. Secondly, and most interesting to me, Lucas, with his clear head now, confirmed that he did recall that the woman he tried to save 
had died in a car crash. I had no way of knowing for certain, but I felt that the loud crash that Whitney heard, which she thought was a car crashing into her house, had something to do with the spirit. Maybe the trauma from that accident could have been carried over with her energy, and for one small moment, it replayed when Whitney was alone. But that's just a guess on my part. But as we were walking out the door, as common on our cases, Sarah stopped us to reveal one more thing that she almost forgot, and it really surprised me. Um, but there's also... Okay, so the, the sound is like a... You're like an electrical sound. The electrical sound, it's a warning from the home. Like something is going on. Do you look at the box? Okay. Something about the box. So that means it's got to be, and it's got to be like a issue that later can do something like either cause a fire or, or something like that. So make sure you get it looked at. Okay. Sarah was not present when we finished our preliminary investigation and when Franklin revealed to us his findings regarding EMF fluctuations and the bad breaker box in the garage. By the end of this investigation, I was pleased with what we were able to discover and present to this young couple. And following this case, Alexis guided them on addressing the deity issues as well as helped them with the female spirit. Whitney went on to work with Sarah and studied under her as part of a mentorship under Sarah's program, Metaphysical You. I'd heard that Lucas and Whitney were doing great, but recently I decided to give them a call for updates and to have them reflect back on what this case was like for them. Uh, you know, reaching out to, to y'all, I remember not really looking anything up. I, I wanted to, I, I guess, kind of experience this without any preconceived notions. And so reaching out to y'all, I, I, I was hopeful, but, you know, I guess skeptical. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. And um, so I, I didn't I didn't really have any expectations. Um, but it was eerie. It was spooky, you know, leading up to it, just not really knowing what's going on when, when you have these kind of supernatural things happening that you can't explain. I felt something immediately when everybody showed up, and it was like the perfect night to experience it. You know, it was thunderstorming, it was dark, it was rainy, um, it was cold, and so I, I knew when you guys arrived that this is real, this is serious, and I felt like we were going to get some answers and you know, nothing short of that happened. It was amazing. I feel like I was blown away by everybody's demeanor, how seriously they took everything and, you know, making sure, checking checking everything, you know, uh, the electrical box. And uh, it, it, felt, it felt really validating in, in a lot of ways. And also, like, it spoke to the, the skeptic that was in, in my head. So I'm really relieved um, that we reached out to you guys. It's changed our lives as family has changed Whitney's life um, as a as a medium. I mean, she's been able to learn a lot through Sarah as well on a on a separate level. And at the end of the day, we we were able to free this trapped soul essentially, which is all that's all we really set out to do, and, and ended up with a lot more than that, and are better for it. That exact night, you know, made sure all the deities were kind of grouped together, separating, you know, Buddhist and the Thai deities from the Hindu ones, and then all the Mexican Aztec ones. We were, you know, we were like, okay, we got to pay attention to this stuff. But it was just, it, it never is less shocking, even as time goes on, how Sarah absolutely nailed that, because the, the room that it had happened in was completely different during the activity. And Sarah went in there and just nailed it. 
because I went back and looked at pictures after I had painted that room, you know, when the activity was happening. And sure enough, every every deity's mixed. The shelf has all sorts of different trinkets on it from, you know, none of it was grouped or organized or really thought out in that matter. So to have it be so spot on was just like, that's something that I'll carry for the rest of my life. There is help. You know, there are people out there that can help you with stuff that you might not feel comfortable talking to just anybody about, you know, and I think that that's, that's invaluable. Lucas and Whitney performed a special elevation ceremony for the female spirit with Alexis's guidance, and I'm happy to report that they have not had any further experiences with her. Lucas has now developed practices for himself to make him less susceptible to attachment and cleanses daily after work. Whitney has studied under Sarah and has now opened up abilities within herself. They're at peace now, in their home, and intend to continue living there. I'm glad that we were able to be a part of their fascinating journey. And I'm glad you were able to join us too, listeners. I'll be releasing the full final update calls with Whitney and Lucas in which they detail the steps that they took after we left, what they learned from both Sarah and Alexis, as well as a video walkthrough of their home on Patreon in the next coming weeks and months. And be sure to join us on our next paranormal adventure as we dive into a new exciting case on June 26th. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter on our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at The Night Owl Podcast, and consider becoming a patron and supporting our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash thenightowlpodcast. I'd like to thank my investigative team, Sarah, Alexis, Franklin, for going on these crazy adventures with me. Nicholas Fair for his talented musical contributions to this show, my dad Sam for his incredible historical research, Bo for helping produce this busy indie show, Mikey for his assistance editing this particular episode, Sandra for keeping us all on schedule and on budget, and last but not least, David Dalton of Driftworks Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftworks Sound. Do you have a song that could use a professional touch to get it across the finish line? Do you wish you could remove the sound of a loud air conditioner or distracting mouth noises from your podcast recording? Whatever your issue, David can repair and enhance your audio and help you achieve rich, full, professional sound at industry-standard loudness levels. Quit struggling with audio engineering and get back to creating. To discuss your options, reach out to David at driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T work sound.com and set your creative self free. <laughs>